This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Today we're going to talk about a a subject that most of us would like to avoid, and it's going to be insecurity. We're going to talk about how to be secure, but we're also going to talk about the uh, presence of insecurity. I've never met one person that isn't affected by insecurity. In fact, all you need to do is go down a questionnaire, start talking to them and having a little discussion. You will find and pinpoint a space. And most of us are masters at trying to hide it. And I think we learned that because um, all the way back from the the beginning of time, um, our sin nature, and that sin nature was to hide our insecurity. Adam and Eve. First place they did, and the first thing that they did from the minute they sinned, they became insecure, and obviously they didn't even know they were naked, didn't even understand that space because God had clothed them with his glory, and now they're in sin, and instead of going to God, and that's what we find, we hide our insecurity. We hide our insecurity from our spouses. We hide our insecurity from our church family. We hide our insecurity from our boss. We hide our insecurity. Instead of going and literally humbling our lives, and humbling that space of things, saying, look, I just struggle with this area. I'm, I'm struggling with security. I'm, I'm actually insecure. And I'd really like to, be, to become more secure. And the way that we find that is in God. In fact, uh, if you find that God brings tests in our life, not so that we become secure in our gift, not to become secure in our surroundings, our experience, but that we become secure in God. Joshua is a greatest example of that. And, you know, when he goes, be strong in the Lord. Be strong and courageous in the Lord. Ephesians tells us to be strong in the Lord. And so before we uh, go there and uh, actually expound on this message, I want you to turn in Romans chapter 12. We're going to talk about how many times, you know, that we're not supposed to be haughty in our thinking of ourselves. And while, we're, while you're turning there, I want to talk about a, a missionary who's struggling in this area. And who wouldn't? He's one of our missionaries, Pubudu. And I'm going to read kind of an excerpt that he sent to me, to our church family, who's really struggling. We think that we're struggling with the, the effects of COVID. There are other nations that are literally paralyzed by fear, paralyzed in the message of fear. And Sri Lanka is one of them. And so he's really sharing with us, and he's not a complainer, because if you ever meet Pubudu, my wife went down there. I've never been in that mission field, but Brenda's been there. And if you ever meet Pubudu, he's just a strong person in God who's not really schooled or trained, you might say, and educated in, in, in the light of understanding of Christianity or, or really thorough Bible, but he just has a presence of God in his life. And he's asking for us, and he's really asking for our prayers. And we're going to do that today. And then I'm going to I'll bring a, a scripture because I, I don't like to just pray for prayers. I want, to, I, want to know, I want to pray promises. God gave us the word of God on purpose. And so he gave us the word of God so that we would pray and understand how others prayed or how others dealt with difficulties in their pathway of life. 
22 million people live in Sri Lanka. 70% of them are Buddhist. 12 and a half percent of them are Hindu. Another 10, mil, uh, 10 million are Muslim and only seven and a half percent are Christian. And even of that seven and a half percent Christian are so traditionally, and if anybody, have, how many of you have ever been to a third world country? Okay. In a third world country, many of uh, Christianity has been literally, um, I, I would just say, harnessed underneath Catholicism. And it's the way you know Catholicism here is not Catholicism there. And it's very traditionally, uh, uh, very uh, wrapped up in control. And so 7.5% of them, they say 0.05% of Sri Lanka has any form of, you might say, fundamental evangelical Christianity. We are fortunate enough to have missionaries in that country underneath extreme conditions, not only of what's going on virally, but even more so spiritually. And so I, I, I plead with you, begin to put them, and write this down today, if you would, in your prayer closet time. Begin to lift up this 22 million opportunities of people that are literally struggling and lost in the space of, of separation, of you know, even spiritually um, lost. And yet we have such a, a, a real difficulty trying to get truth inside of this country. Here's from Pubudu. He says, hello, dear friends, church, family. How are you doing? We are doing okay here in Sri Lanka. We trust that you are all doing good there. We have another lockdown in the country these days. It sounds the Delta, it sounds, he struggles with this word, and I'm just gonna read it the way it is. It sounds the Delta variant is spreading very speedy in these days in the country. And by the grace of God, we passed another four months period in the ministry, and it's a very tough time. It was because of the COVID-19 and villages are closing, opening and again and closing again. The coronavirus and to restrict the gathering of the people. But our good God was with us in every day and still our, all our children, the people of the congregation are safe. Some people don't come to church service because of the virus and some others, new ones are coming now. Children of the school also same, children of the school are struggling with the same scenarios and we are bringing them to the school as little groups to minimize the con contacts with each other. And your support, your prayer support, your financial support and our support to the teacher's allowance is a great blessing in a period like this. The new teachers is supporting to the school with very best of her and working hard. As the coming months are the rainy season, here we are, we give the children umbrellas with the raincoats. They're so happy with them and they draw pictures of the rain for you to see. And I share this with you um, because this passage came to my heart. Again, please write it down, Psalm 77. Here's David in a time. Psalm 77 says, and I said, this is my fate, verse 10. The Most High has turned his hand against me. Many people today, they won't say those words, but they feel or think those words. Pubudu is struggling with that. Is the Most High with me or against me? He's gonna serve no matter what. But these are the struggles. And here's how David stepped out of that fatalistic thinking out of the COVID type thinking. We are not COVID thinkers. 
We are Christ-like thinkers, amen? And how do we get out of that fatalistic? Here's how David stepped out of it. Thank God he didn't leave it at verse 10. He says, but then I recall all of you and God, what you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works, O God. Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we lift up this service. and We lift up the services in Sri Lanka. Pubudu. And Father, by your strong arm, by your mighty deeds, Father of old, Father, you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we thank you for these trials that we are facing today because of who is being produced. You are being produced in our lives. Father, we thank you that there are conversational pieces of how great and how mighty that you are, that you are still the healer, that you are still the redeemer, that you are still the lover of our souls. You're still the reconciler. You're still truth, God. And Father, we thank you, Father, for that little diamond-shaped country, Father, in the bottom of India with 22 million people, Father. We lift up those 22 million, and we lift up this county to you right now in the name of Christ. And we pray that you draw us into the space of your grace, that we might see how great you are, God, and that you are a mighty Father, and that you are strong and that your love, Father God, knows no bounds. God, I pray that you open up their eyes, open up our eyes to the cross. And may we find our security in you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, while you're still in Romans chapter 12, I want to read some, just, I guess, some attributes of a secure person versus an insecure person. Because all of us, we'll fight through these scenarios in our walk. Insecure people take credit. Secure people give the credits to others. An insecure leader will surround themselves with weaker people. A secure leader will find themselves with strong people around them. An insecure person will evaluate themselves only to see weaknesses while a secure one will acknowledge weakness and see strengths in their life. An insecure leader will evaluate themselves by comparing themselves amongst around others. A secure person will evaluate themselves in the light of their potential. You see the potential in God? An insecure person will say, and they can't laugh at themselves. A secure leader never takes themselves too seriously. An insecure leader resists evaluation. A secure one embraces it, input from others as opportunities. I want to grow. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better grandparent. I want to be a better worshiper. I'm even doing this in the space of my own prayer time. Say, God, I want to know how to worship. One of my frustrations is, is I run out of words so quickly when it comes down to worshiping our majestic God. And I'm thanking God that he's given me a tongue to do it, but I want to do it in my own language. I want, to, I want to hear my heart flow with how great he is. Secure leaders produce followers. You know, insecure leaders produce followers. 
Secure leaders produce leaders. A great father wants his son or daughter to do better than they ever did. Same thing with a mother. Secure leaders endure enduring success and insecure ones' blessings are for me, which means they take ownership of everything that's been done. Romans chapter 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourself by the faith that God has given each of us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, his influence in our life, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If, you're, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with a genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15 says this, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that our, your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places, far beyond you, where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the, the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Today, let's talk about security. Let's talk about insecurity. Let's, let's recognize the importance of it. In fact, there's so much dialogue today in trying to build one's up self-esteem. Because the world will tell us that if your self-esteem is just, you know, is grown and that you're literally so much and you're so strong in your esteem of who you really are that you won't be insecure. That is a lie. That is a lie. Let me just tell you something. God wants you to be secure in the space of a majestic God. When you, the Bible says, come to his throne boldly. You'll never get that with all your self-esteem. You will never come into the space of the most awesome king of kings because of all your self-esteem. I'll tell you what will happen with that self-esteem. You will be broken to the space and so undone and so insecure in that moment because you realize that you had built your whole life on a lie and that your esteem should be and come from one alone and that being from the presence of who God is in your life. That's when we find out our esteem is, look, I'm a child of God. I feel special in the space of who he is in my life and that you can't take that from me. No one can make me feel little or belittled because I know I am a child of the king. 
And that I don't have gifts like you do and you don't have gifts like I do. So there's no comparison because you know what? They're all distributed as he willed. And because if I can see the will of who God is in your life, and I can, then I can esteem that space. See, I see God. I love what Paul said again. He says, listen, from this time forward, I know no man in the flesh, but I know them in the spirit. And he was trying to say, I want to recognize. So when he would have, a, you know, he would have an intersection in somebody's life, he would want to see that person say, who are you in Jesus? I want to esteem that space. I want to encourage you. I want to be a part of the space of who you are. How can I help you? How can I assist you in the call of God and the gifts of God that are in your life? In Luke chapter 19, there's a, a passage that when I first got saved, it, it really meant a lot to me. Because, you know, I, I might say most of you, it's not hard for you to see that I'm a, um, a small man of stature. And so I struggled with the small man syndrome. I would never say it to you. I would never come out and tell you that. But one of the reasons I began to work out with weights and everything else is because I realized how short I was and I really struggled with it. And I thought if I'm going to really deal with this, then I'm going to have to do something different. So if I can't grow this way, then I'll grow this way. But a lot of it wasn't done because I was really after and being healthy. And I wasn't after it because, you know what, this is just a, a thing that I want to be. I was after it because I was insecure. And so be, I began to take this agenda. And you know what, most of us, we really, we build our whole life on trying to make other people think value in us. We don't build our value in who God is in us. We, build, we build, spend so much time trying to attain. And I'm going to talk about a character in the Bible. His name is Zacchaeus. And you know, a lot of us, we know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Right? So I can relate to this guy. And yes, so, but Zacchaeus, he didn't work out to find his identity. What he did is he did it through attaining wealth. He became a, the tax collector of all tax collectors. And he cheated people and he created this wealth. I mean, he was probably one of the wealthiest men in that space of, of uh, territory in which he lived. And yet he realized how empty he was. He realized even though all his security was in probably his castle and in the way he lived and the way he adorned and his dress and, he had, and people feared him so much. But he still inside, he felt so insecure. There's something, I'm missing it. There's got to be more to life than trying to figure out how to be special in this life. There's got to be more than this. Because this thing leaves me so empty on the inside. And so in this moment in his life, we find, and I love it, how God takes a chapter in his Bible, and it's a few verses, and describes a man who is trying to find himself. And the only way he could find himself was to surrender himself. And the only way you're ever going to find who you really are is when you surrender to your son, your, your Jesus. That's the only way you're going to find out who you are. That's the beginning space of your walk of understanding why you're here and that there's an eternal picture, an eternal mandate on your life. That's the only way you're going to find out. And so Zacchaeus finds him in this place. And you know what? I love this place, this man, because he didn't care what it looked like. He climbs this tree. 
He didn't care how ridiculous he looks. Now, wealthy people spend their whole time showing you their wealth. That's why, that's because that's where they find their security. That's why the Bible says it's really hard for a wealthy man to enter the gates of heaven because they have such a wall around their life and that wall keeps them from the space of surrender. And that's why when I hear, in fact, I, I've heard people say this and I even question them. I go, man, I think it's gracious of God to be born poor. Because at least it's easier to find Jesus. Because the, the wealthy people, now I'm gonna tell you something, if you're wealthy, that's not a sin. Be generous to your God. Be generous to God's kingdom, amen? Use that, use whatever gift you have. I know that's what God's convicted me of. But the point is, is that here we are, is this man that God includes in his word so that we can learn from it. It's not just a cute little story. It's a message of God that every one of us can deal. Maybe you're not short in stature. Maybe you don't like, maybe you don't like your, your physique. Maybe you feel too thin. Maybe you feel too heavy. Maybe you don't feel pretty. They say that 90% of models that are paid to model think that they're not pretty enough. The whole culture of our life is designed that you're never going to feel complete in this life other than having a relationship with your Lord and your Savior. Can anybody say amen? Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by the name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down that and took Jesus to his house in a great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, I have cheated people out of their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responds to this broken man. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Our esteem or self-esteem needs to come to a place of surrender and go, God, I come to you broken. Not in a space where, look, look, God, you really got something special today. So how do we become secure in God? I mean, we talked about insecurity. So let's break it down. Number one, embrace God's plan for your life. Embrace God's plan for your life. You say, well, pastor, you saying God has, God has a plan for every single person in this congregation. He has a, sing, a plan for everybody that's watching this right now. He's got a plan for every, the, the most crazy person, as the Bible just said, the most notorious sinners outside these doors. God has a plan for them. Amen? 
Ephesians 2.10, for, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for long, long ago. So before I even accepted Jesus Christ, before I surrendered my life, God had a plan. He had a journey. And there were not, only, not only in that journey was surrender, but there were good works. There were things that God had fabricated and designed so that I would walk in them, intersect them, and do great things with God and through God. So God, you have to embrace. If you're going to be secure, embrace that God has a plan. You're God's kid. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, embrace it. There's a big difference. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference from an embrace to one that just is casual encounter. Two, know my strengths and weaknesses. You aren't all in all. You need the body of Christ. You need to surrender. You need to recognize that there is more that God wants to do in your life that you have not arrived. I don't care if you're 75 or 80 years old and you've walked with God for 75 or 80 years in your life. There is still more that God has in your walk. Romans 12, 3 says, because the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith that God has given you. Number three, security comes through humility of acknowledging my sin and surrendering my thoughts and actions to his power. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck into being mindful of sin. Be mindful of the cross. My sin Yesterday's behind me. The cross is in front of me. He has redeemed me. He has called me to his good works. His grace is sufficient. His love is abounding. He has got great things in store. Satan wants you to be sin-minded because whatever you think, that's what you're going to do. If you're thinking about drinking and you don't want to do it, you're going to do what? You're going to start drinking again because that's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about going over there and cheating on your spouse. That's what you're going to do. You thinking about going over there and buying that car you know you're not supposed to buy? That's what you're going to do. As a man thinks, so is he. So don't go shopping for the things that you're supposed to. Shop where God wants you to shop in his word. Go back to the word of God. Find your ways. Find your redemption. Go back to the truth. Find yourself in that place. That's what we read in Psalm 77. David was shopping in the wrong, you know, the, the wrong market. He goes, where are you, God? Why are you here? This, is, this, can't be, this can't be the plan you have. And all of a sudden, David goes, I remember. I remember who God is. Go shopping in that space because God is a big God. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special, special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. There's a reason why God wants you in the word of God. There's a reason why God, God wants you with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why God wants you to pray. There's a reason why God wants you. Because God wants to work through your life to do powerful things in your workplace. There are people that are lost in your workplace. There are people that are lost in your neighborhood. There are people that are struggling finding Jesus and you are right in front of that intersection. Don't get stuck in surrender. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made... Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This last uh, week in our staff meeting, I was listening to uh, 
Jonathan and, and Pastor Jenna, and they were talking about the altar. You know, one of the unique things that we have in our church family is this altar time. And it's special. Thank you for responding to God's presence and to God's space. And if you've never, if you're newer here and you've never really understand why are they, why during the worship time do they come to this altar? That, that's a place of surrender, but it's also a place to celebrate. There is one sister that, um, and I don't know if she's here in our service today, but she's been healed of cancer. Totally healed of cancer, amen. And so she comes forward. She doesn't come forward to get healed. She's already healed. She comes forward every Sunday to worship her healer. That's why she's coming forward. And so, you know what, when, when sometimes we get the picture that, well, I don't know if I need to go forward just because I, I'm just, they're the, they're, they look like they're the needy one. They're not here just because they're needy. They're worshiping because God met their need. Amen? So we got some that are in the space of the need. We got some in the space that are getting the victory. And then we got some in the space they've already got the victory. And we, all of us should be at this altar for one or more of those scenarios in our life because God is good the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number four, security comes through the acknowledgement that I am special. Do you realize how special you are? There is reasons why you young gals, when all of a sudden that guy starts hitting on you and tries to touch you in ways that you know that you're not, you know you're not supposed to do it. The reason that you would even give into that space of time and interaction with them is because you don't feel special enough. Guys, when you're doing that and you're asking for that or your thoughts are there, you don't realize how special you are. You don't realize you're a child of the king. And if you know what, if you realize that God is in the space of that time with you, if you can't, if you wouldn't do it, if Jesus was, if you knew the presence of Jesus was right next to you, then you have no business doing it. You're a child of the, we got just the first row on that one. You're a child of the, you got to recognize. What if you were to wake up in the morning, get in front of the mirror and go, I'm a child of the king. God's going to do great things in my life. You know what? God has this day. This is the day in which the Lord has made. In fact, we were talking to another sister in Christ. And, you know, and there, there's a lot of pagan holidays out there. You know, let me just tell you something. There might be pagan holidays out there, but every day is a day of the Lord. You know what? Halloween is just another time. It's a day of the, that's not the, it's not the devil's day. It's God's day. All right? And there may be people celebrating in a whole bunch of weird ways. But we're going to celebrate that day because it's just another day that the, Lord has made. Number five, spend time with secure leaders and friends. Spend time with them. In Acts chapter five, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you left Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. He was insecure because all he cared about is how people saw him in the church. Why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? And I want to read another passage right here in Acts chapter 8. Simon. When Simon saw the spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let, them have, let me have this power, he explained, so that when I lay my hands on the people, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you, for you thought, thinking God's gift can be bought. 
You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon explained, that these terrible things you have said won't happen. So you pass around. So what's the, what's the end, end time? What's the end point here? Point number six, spend time with God. Spend time with God. Not just Sunday mornings. Spend time devotionally in your marriage. Spend time devotionally with your children. Spend time devotionally with your grandchildren. Spend time devotionally with your coworkers. You say, well, my, my coworkers don't want to pray. How do you know? When's the last time you asked? And most of us, what will happen is, is because of Adam and Eve in us, that old nature, because we have both those natures. We have the Adam and Eve that wants to run and is conscious of our sin. And we feel that we're, that we're just incomplete. And then we have our born again nature inside of us going, I'm a child of the king. Which one is leading your life today? Which one's going to leave on Monday? Because some of us, we will, we're, you know, we're, um, we'll let the child of the king lead us on Sunday morning. Then we'll let the child of Adam and Eve lead us on, you know, on Monday morning. Tuesday. Which, you know, I mean, God says you're a child of the king. And so your association needs to recognize, are, you gonna be, are we going to be so insecure, so wrapped up in what we did wrong that Jesus paid for? Are we going to be wrapped up with what Jesus has in mind? Are you hungry? God, what do you have for me today? Who is it that you want me to talk to today? Who is it you want me to, to, to smile at today? Who is it that, what scriptures do you want me to, to just grab onto and meditate today? How do you want me to encourage? How do you want me to direct? Lord, what is it that you have in my mind? Are you even asking those questions? God, I want to be more secure in you than I've ever been. I want others to see that, God, who you are in my life. Is it only Sunday that we bend? Or is it Monday that we bend? And Tuesday and Wednesday. Do you have your own altar space at home? In your car? Do you have your own space where you start out your morning? My wife and I start out our morning every morning praying. Praying for this church. Praying for our marriage. Praying for our kids. Telling Satan that he may not have. He's out of our garden. And giving that place. God, Lord, you have more space to work with today because Satan has less. So God, I, I, I look at it this way. I, I want to... I used to work at UPS many years ago. And I was uh, uh, working in, you know, as a sorter and working in the packaging and throwing these packages in these trucks. And I began to realize that, you know, that's really what my life is supposed to be and your life is supposed to be, is a sorter. Not every package that comes out is supposed to go down that chute. It's supposed to go over that way. Some go this way, some go this way. And yet, many of us, what we do is we just let every package come our way. And we don't sort it. Sort those thoughts. You go, Satan, that thought doesn't belong. I'm a child of the 
I'm a child of the king. Jesus, that thought belongs. I am, as a child of the king, you have a special day for my life. I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I'm loved of God. I am special, his gifts are working inside of my life. The Holy Spirit is my partner, he's the paraclete, and as my partner, great things are in store. I'm either gonna do great things today or I'm getting prepared for something great tomorrow. Either way, greatness is in my future. I thank you that you are a great God and God that you have great things in store for the, this week, this month, this year. I thank you that God, because of your greatness, that I'm going to do and surrender to your greatness. I'm not gonna live a life that's belittled by thoughts of my past. I'm not gonna live a life that's belittled by familiar sins. I'm not gonna be a life that's belittled by my past. Those things are in my past. Behold, I am moving forward in God. I am a child of the... Now, what if we were to wake up and begin to speak that over our lives? Our life would shape different, but you say, well, Pastor Ron, that's just weird. Is it? Because you listen and murmur the other. Well, I can't do anything great. I'm just nothing special. I don't really know how to pray. And I didn't really spend much time in the Bible yesterday. And I'm just, you know, and I, I don't really don't get it. I mean, the stories, is they're just, I don't really understand them. And I need Pastor Ron or somebody else to help me understand them. What are you, you're, what are you in nursery? Right? You're, build, you're sitting, letting the enemy literally dictate and direct your whole life. Maybe you're, you say, well, I'm not speaking those. Yes, you are. You're allowing that package to come over and over and over into your thought. And I, you know, the Bible's very clear. As a man thinks, so is he. The establishment of your life is surrounded by the nonsense or the God sense that you're filled with. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Father, I'm so grateful for your truths that set us on a course for you. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and you are true life. Lord, I pray right now that you help. Lord, just, I, I ask right now that you help us see that we're your kids. And if you're here this morning and you can't say, I, I'm, I'm a child of the king. You, you don't really acknowledge or that, that's not just something that's, inside of your heart and you long for that connection with God like like Zacchaeus you find yourself in this church today you find this, yourself in this space or maybe you're even watching this right now on TV and you your whole life you feel empty on the inside there's got to be more to life than trying to just be something or achieve something, own something, look like something. Yes, there is. Jesus has got a specific design. It's in your DNA. And in that DNA, there's an aching in your heart for eternity. Eternity is locked up inside. And the only one that has the keys to your soul is Jesus Christ. If you'll surrender your life right now to him. You say, what does that mean? You say, Pastor, it means to give up, to let go. To say, Jesus, I'm, tire I'm tired of trying to be something. I just want to give my life into you, into your hands. I want to accept his forgiveness at the cross. 
He died on the cross so that you can find forgiveness, so you can find freedom and liberty in your heart, so you can find the path, the unique design he has for your life. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. I want all of you to take this moment. And for some of you, this is going to be your first acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. For others of you, this might be the space where you're coming back. You're, you're coming back to him. If either one of those scenarios are you, when this service is concluded, please come up front and let's share with an elder or you with me as your pastor or someone else. Just take the time to say, I made that commitment real today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life into your hands. Lord Jesus, I accept your forgiveness that you paid for on the cross for my sin, for my mess. I'm all yours. Here I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.